Hello and welcome to Simple Self-Care by Naturally Randy Kay. This is a podcast dedicated to simplifying the healing journey by aligning your self-care practices with your own inner wisdom and the natural cycles outside and within. Though self-care has become quite the buzzword, it's actually a vital tool that can fit beautifully into your everyday life. Join me as we explore how to create a deep and meaningful relationship with ourself naturally, intentionally, and simply. Hello, hello, and welcome back. I am so very excited to bring you today's conversation with the amazing Kate Northrup. It's been one that I've been waiting for quite a while, and she is someone that I very much admire. So we will dig into that soon, and I know you're going to love it. But first, I want to share with you something else that is also very exciting. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time, like years, but it just didn't seem like the right time, and it didn't seem to come together in a way that made sense. But I guess it was waiting for a pandemic to get me to slow down and figure it out and for it to be something that will be of the most service to you during a time like this. If you've been with me for a while, you know how much of a fan I am of aligning ourselves and our healing practices with the seasons and natural rhythms. It's been a key player in my own healing journey and with those that I help, and it just makes sense. But I've struggled with knowing how to teach it in a more intimate way, other than giving tips and things to consider on this podcast and on social media, places like that. As a longtime body worker and therapeutic yoga teacher, there is so much that I know about the body, its systems, its anatomy, and what it needs to sustainably heal. I've been a part of so many people's healing process, and I know what works and what doesn't. And I know that the most powerful way to heal is to heal your lifestyle, what you're doing moment to moment. And a very intuitive, loving, and effective way to do that is by going with the natural ebbs and flows of things, not against it. So this is where the seasonal aspect comes in. And after working one-on-one with people, doing various workshops, and speaking with corporate and private groups, I found that the best way to really teach and implement these methods is by working with people for a more extended amount of time and offering support for individual needs, not just explaining broad concepts and ideas. So I'm creating a little universe for you here on the interwebs, a place where we can hang out, commune regularly, and I can provide you with everything I know to help you heal your pain reduce your stress, and create a fulfilling and healing lifestyle that aligns with the seasons and your unique rhythms. The Simple Nature Collective will be an ongoing membership that you commit to for three months at a time. Three months is so we can spend a full season together and give you time to implement and stay accountable and ask questions and all that. As a member, you will have access to my library of self-care instructional resources that are in tune with the season that we're in that you can pick and choose from depending on what your body is calling for. You will also be led through my step-by-step methodology of creating a healing practice, taking you from stressed, tired, anxious, and overwhelmed, not even knowing where to start or what to do for yourself, to empowered, calm, and at peace with yourself and your body. You will learn how to tune into your own inner wisdom and continue to do what you need to do for yourself and your health on a day-to-day basis by following my three principles of simplifying seasonal living and intelligent body awareness and education. So I'm starting my first experimental round of this for the summer season starting on June 15th, and it will run through August. And since it's a new concept, and I would love your input on shaping it into the best resource it can be, I'm offering it at a special discounted price. So you can opt in for the 20 a month option or pay $50 for the full three months up front. And you get locked in at this price as it will increase in the fall. And you might just be tempted to stay a member because we will be 
going deeper each season and bringing in new practices for that season. Okay, I could ramble on about this for a long time and share more of what's included and the structure and everything, but I do want to get to my chat with Kate. So I'll just say that if this sounds of interest to you, if you are a woman that struggles with chronic pain and other health issues, and you want to learn a very effective and fulfilling way to tend to yourself, decrease or eliminate your pain or some of the pain, and create a healthy relationship instead of being a victim with this part of yourself, please check out the details and join me this summer as we use this beautiful time of year to nurture ourselves on a deep level and fill our cups. So head to naturallyrandyk.com slash simple nature. That's naturally R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y.com slash simple nature. And the link is in the description of this episode as well. So you can just click on that right from your device and let me know what you think. Let me know your questions. Okay. I can't wait for June 15th. It is going to be so much fun, especially during this time of isolation and not really knowing what's going on. And we can just dig into some work and enjoy the nature outside. So I, for one, will be happy to be part of this community since I'm an extrovert and really missing humans. So I'm excited for many reasons. But speaking of wonderful humans and seasonal and cyclical living, let's get to today's conversation with Kate Northrup. Kate is a best-selling author, speaker, teacher, mother, and she teaches women entrepreneurs how to get more done by doing less. She revolves her teaching around the natural cycles we experience as women, along with what is happening with the moon and the earth. And I'm a member of her group Origin, where I've been studying and applying her methods to my own business. And I'm a big fan of her book, Do Less, and the podcast she does with her husband, The Kate and Mike Show. Basically, I'm just the big fangirl. And you can tell in my voice when I talk to her, I really try to keep it together and act cool. But... I don't know. (laughs) I was really excited about this one. And I'm really thrilled and honored to have her here to share her wisdom with you. In today's conversation, we move beyond entrepreneurship and apply her approach to cyclical living to how to live and plan our everyday lives and how we can use it as a powerful tool during this chaotic time. So take a listen as we chat about how to preserve your energy, setting boundaries around what you let into your life, how to be alone with yourself and enjoy it, how to trust yourself and your own inner wisdom, embracing the winters or seasons of rest in our life, a structure for those that don't like structure, the importance of deep work, and more. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for taking the time to join me here on the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So, There's a lot I want to talk to you about. I've been following you since at least 2014. (laughs) And with Money, A Love Story, you came through Fargo. And um, there's just so much to your story and your knowledge. But I figured let's start with the current state of things and then maybe work backwards and see (laughs) what you have done and what we can do to prepare ourselves for life. Because I know a lot of what we're all needing to do right now is to go into our reserves. Mm -hmm. The work that we've done our whole life is revealing itself or the work we didn't do. (laughs) And so, first of all, how are you? And how have you been feeling? How have you been processing? Thank you for asking that question. Um, I am doing well all things considered, I feel very grateful to be healthy, to be in the state of Maine where um, this crisis is relatively calm. You know, we have like one person per square mile in terms of population density. (laughs) So it's pretty easy to be distanced. Um, I also live in in a neighborhood that is extraordinarily social. It's a new construction. So we all moved in around the same like one to two year period. 
So it's kind of like freshman year in high in college where everyone is trying to make friends. And so we all just like made friends. So there's been a lot of distanced chatting in the cul-de-sac. So I have been very blessed to have a more social quarantine than others, just because we live in this, the, the, that's the nature of our neighborhood. Um, so I think I'm, I'm pretty well reserved in that regard. And so I'm, I'm feeling grateful and I'm feeling grateful that I have an online business. Um, and it's been extremely difficult to have no childcare. And I've had some personal circumstances um, in my family's life that have been really hard and unrelated to COVID, but just like death and grief and just, you know, and then navigating that on top of it is a lot. And then changes in our company and team members not being able to work, team members who were going to leave anyway, um, really working with a skeleton crew, having to pull back in a major way um, on our plans for the spring. Um, so there's been some grief there for sure. And also coming face to face with some of my patterns and habits that um, have, that it's their time to be done. And just looking at, you know, another layer of the way I use work to numb. And, you know, that's just super not a possibility right now. So it's been good, but hard. Yeah, that word layer is like what was coming to me when you were talking, because I think all of us have our usual life stuff that happens unexpectedly. It's just a part of being a human being. And then you layer in all these other things that are unknown and new and old. And <laughs> it just, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, I'm curious, since this is a self-care themed podcast, um, how you have two little ones at home. You don't fit in the category of all of a sudden having all this time for self-care, which has... <laughs> it knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's been bothering me in kind of the wellness industry is... Um, I I totally agree with that. And there's... It's time for self-care. And... But it it's different. It's different than what our preconceived notions of self-care were, um, what we've wanted for ourselves. So I'm curious to how tending for yourself has shifted and how you're finding that space to refuel and tune in. Well, one thing I noticed immediately when our state went into the stay-at-home order was immediately like my bandwidth was limited and I couldn't, my capacity to take in information was significantly less than before. So I had been reading all these books that were teaching me things and, you know, and like gathering, I'm, I'm a total information gatherer and I just couldn't do it. Like I was like, where are the novels? Where are the memoirs? I cannot read anything that's trying to teach me something like overtly, nothing with steps. <laughs> Or, or exercises. And same thing, I started unfollowing a lot on Instagram. I started unsubscribing much more from email. And so boundaries around what I let into my sphere, uh, information-wise, I'm already really, really good about that. And, and it's gotten even more resolute. Um, boundaries around my phone, uh, especially on the weekends, I'm taking email and Instagram off my phone on the weekends. And not that I was ever really using weekends to work, but I would like check in and I'm just not. And that feels really good. I'm prioritizing, you know, like spending the weekends in the woods with my family in a way I never did before, because it was always sort of this feeling of like, yeah, we'd love to go for a family hike, but there's this birthday party and I want to go to yoga with a girlfriend. And then Mike and I are having a date night. So, okay, well, we'll do that next weekend or whatever. But since none of those other things are happening, it is the thing. It's like the outing. Where are we going to go for a hike? What trail are we going to discover? Um, so being out in nature has been huge. And then also making sure that I am grounding, like literally on the ground um, every day, either lying on the ground, sitting on the ground or standing on the ground barefoot. Um, which is very easy to do because I have a two-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old, so like we're just outside. I mean, Maine, it snowed two mornings ago, so um, it's not like that easy to do, <laughs> but I still make it happen, even if it's cold. And that's been, so those are some of the ways that I'm noticing that are new, that I wasn't, wasn't tending to as much, that have just become my lifeline during this time. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, I'm in North Dakota, so I hear you on on the weather part. But I did the same thing with information. I also am always learning, always reading. All of my books are nonfiction, basically. And I had the same response. It was just too much. I don't know. And I don't even watch the news, so it's not like the news was an issue for me. It was more of this deep craving or almost like a survival response to clear the clutter so I could tune into my own truth. Yes. And it has been really powerful and difficult, (laughs) but I think social media was the number one thing to go. I've talked about it on the podcast. I took a break from the podcast for a week. I just, I, I couldn't consume or even create. It was just like, I, if you want me to show up for you during this time, I need time to myself (laughs) to cool it and refuel um so it's interesting you just had a great podcast episode about how to be with yourself and I'd love for you to chat more about what that looks like right now in a time where I mean that's what we're kind of craving but then we're being fed all this misinformation and there's unknowns to do so how have you been hanging out with yourself and Mm. what can that look like for someone who doesn't really know how to do that I just taught a workshop to a group of gals teaching them how to listen to their inner wisdom or what the inner wisdom sounds like and I've been working on that for so long that I kind of get what I'm listening to but I was surprised at how not surprised because I've been there but like how difficult it is to know what that is for yourself. Yeah. And even when you hear it, how can you trust that that's the one? So mm-hmm. how, what are your insights on that? Well, I'm going to start by not answering your question. I'm coming back to answering. I will say if you are a parent, I really feel like the most important thing we can do is to encourage our children to trust themselves mm-hmm. because, you know, I have just as complicated of a relationship with my parents as anybody, but one thing my mom super, super nailed (laughs) was encouraging me to trust myself. Like I remember, um, I was in sixth grade and I was in this, I don't know, some sort of gifted and talented program called junior great books. And I just, the teacher was awful. She was mean and I hated it. I hated the whole thing. And I came home and told my mom and, and my dad was like, well, let's talk to the other parents. Like you need to give it a couple more weeks. You know, let's sort of like, you know, basically like you can't trust yourself. And my mother said, Ken, if Kate thinks there's something wrong with it, there's something wrong with it. And she was like, you can be done. And so I withdrew from the program and within a week, the program had dissolved because my mom empowering me to trust myself then allowed all the other kids and parents gave them permission to trust themselves and the whole thing fell apart because it was awful. So it's just like, <laughs> I, I just want to say now for many of us, we're adults now, right? So you can't go back in time and have your parents do it a different way, but many of us are raising children. And I just think like, if there's one thing that I can do by the time my girls turn 18 and possibly move out of the house <laughs> is that they walk down, walk away from our home and know that like what I feel is right. What I feel in my body is the truth. So that's that. Um, so how do we trust ourselves? How do we listen? How do we, what, you know, what, how does it come through? So it'll, it'll come through in different ways for different people, right? There's, there's people who, who get just like get a feeling. There's people who get a word. There's people who get pictures. There's people who hear things. You know, we all have these different ways that our inner wisdom shows up. Um, for me, it's a feeling in my body. Like if something is right, I just feel excited and expansive and like, and, and spacious. And if something is not right for me, I feel contracted and like there's this darkness and feels heavy. So that's how I know in my body. Um, I know other friends though, who, the other thing that'll happen to me is I'll get, I start to get weird symptoms. So I will like have knee pain from this old dance injury. And I've definitely like not done anything to my knee, you know, recently. Right. So the knee will start to flare up or I know other people who with arthritis pain, right. 
they will get swelling in their knuckles. And our whole society wants to say, well, it's the weather or it's, you know, you're not on the right meds. But oftentimes in the whole field of psychoneuroimmunology and, you know, the work of Candace Pert and all these incredible, incredible uh, groundbreaking people really shows us that our thoughts and our emotions have incredible biochemical reactions in our body and will create health symptoms. And it's, there's so much data. So the mind-body connection is, I don't even call it the mind-body connection, like our body, our mind is all over our body. Our body is our mind, the same thing. Um, so I don't know how somebody else hears their inner wisdom, but I do know it just takes practice and it just takes practice being still. Because when we are still, then, and when we are quiet, and when we allow the world to be quiet around us, then we can hear, but it takes like, you're not going to hear some like loud, you know, booming voice of God in your head ever maybe, or maybe not the first time. And I think that we just have to know that that practice is our life's work. Like it's definitely worth it because the relationship with ourselves, the relationship with our inner wisdom, our inner divine, whatever you call it, um, is the only relationship that we are going to have our whole lives. Everything else will be lost. So it's super worth investing in. Yes, I have a lot of heavy head nodding going on over here for those that can't see. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like with when I've really tuned into the purpose of my business, who I am as a person, even how I teach self-care and heal people, it always comes back to teaching them how to listen to themselves. Yeah. Because with any sort of self-care practice or you go to any practitioner, like they're, they're there and those practices are there to help you get rid of the gunk so you can have a relationship with your healing mm. and have an empowered relationship with who you're going to for advice or what you're reading about. But it's been interesting to learn how to teach self-care from the aspect of, well, a lot of people have a different view of self-care than I do, but it's, um, it's hard to teach because it is so personal. And so all that we can offer are the gateways. What can be the gateway to your personal truth? And then with the baseline that it is there, that belief has to be there. And one thing I resonate with you about is, um, so when I first saw you speak back in the day, <laughs> you made everybody stand up and move their hips around. And I was just like, she's my person. Like, <laughs> I'm like, let's get in there. I still let's, do that in the okay. vast majority of my talks oh, because it just like perfect. we all need it so badly. We just like forget we have bodies a million yes. times a day. And the more, and I've been a body worker for over 10 years and like the, just from, I've read a lot about that body mind connection, but even just experientially, you, I don't, I also don't do the mind body connection because there is no disconnection. <laughs> it's one yes. thing always responding. And, and it's interesting when I ask my clients where their pain is coming from and they have no idea. So then I start asking what's going on in their life and they'll have this huge thing going down or they've had this repetitive thing going on and it's like, let's connect those dots. <laughs> and well, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I mean, it is, it's like crazy the degree to which we are brainwashed to think that any health issue or physical discomfort we're having is because we're lacking some kind of medication or procedure. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we are like, you know, sometimes that's a wonderful way to go. Um, and many times there are steps to take first. So this is a good segue into your approach and your methodology of the do less way. And you just, uh, your paperback version of do less just came out and I highly recommend it. Um, it is a way of uniting us with the seasons and the cycles and our inner cycles, which for those that have listened to the podcast is basically 
the goal of this podcast also <laughs> is to connect us to those uh, seasons and cycles. And so you've come up with your own, uh, through your own experience and your own curiosity, um, discovered these truths, these cyclical truths. And so I'd love to hear more of your journey to that discovery, because it hasn't always been something that you have tuned into and how it applies to what we're talking about of our inner wisdom and how we can use it as a tool and a structure to discover things about ourselves. Yeah. So I started getting really interested in the menstrual cycle specifically and the lunar cycle um, and the interplay between the two when I was a new mom and my first daughter was 13 months old and I got my period back for the first time after having her. And I hadn't had it, of course, for the nine months I was pregnant, but also for about the five months before I got pregnant. And I just got it one time and then I got pregnant. So it was a long, and then I was nursing for, you know, I don't know, 8 million years. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm saying is there was a long break from having my period. And when it came back for the first time in my life, I was like, this is kind of cool because it represented um, a return to myself after having been the vehicle for this other life and then the nourishment source for this other life. And it was like, this is my body and this is my life now again. And so I got excited about it. I don't know why I just, I just did. And I think that I started really tracking it and journaling, you know, what day of my cycle was I on? What phase was I in? What was I noticing? What was going on with the moon? And I started this sort of detailed journaling practice, um, which took me, you know, three minutes at night. I'm like a very do less person. So I'm not spending much time on these things, but the intention is, is pretty powerful. And I felt through this practice so much calmer and I felt like I kind of got like my mojo back right after um, that experience new motherhood really knocked me out and um, on a lot of different levels and so I felt like this return to myself but like a better you know I don't really think I don't love the conversation about like getting ourselves back after our baby was like here I was moving forward in a powerful way and um, I started just learning about the cycle and, and the moon and, and the different phases of our menstrual cycle and how they, they mimic the lunar cycle and how they mimic the seasons. And, and I am a total productivity junkie. So I began to look at the way these creative cycles uh, applied to projects and businesses. And I started to feel so much relief because what I saw is that since Money, a Love Story had come out, my first book, until basically uh, November of 2016, I had been in a fallow period in sort of that new moon menstrual winter time energy of pause from a standpoint of my creativity and my business. I had gotten married at the time. At the same time, I got pregnant. I had a baby. So like there was plenty of creative output elsewhere. But from our business perspective, I felt lost. I didn't know what I was doing. It was incredibly frustrating. It seemed like everyone else knew what they were doing. Um, There's a lot of doubt, a lot of like, maybe I should quit and get a job, you know, all of that questioning. And so when I began to look at the cyclical nature of our lives and when I began to apply it to my business, I realized, oh, I was in a, you know, I was in a winter. There's nothing wrong with that. Winter is necessary. Winter is needed. Winter is productive in its own way. And then I began to emerge into a springtime and, 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 you know, I sort of came up with a framework called the upward cycle of success for applying this cyclical energy to projects or to businesses in general to help us locate ourselves in space and help us identify what to focus on, but much more importantly, help us not beat ourselves up for not being in a place that we think we should be and actually allow ourselves to be where we are and reap the rewards of that particular phase. Yes, the wisdom in winter. That's something I talked a lot about on the podcast and within my community, just 
because winter is so strong here. Um, And a a lot of people have a very hard time with it. But how I got into seasons, I've always been a nature person. I've always been into different styles of healing and philosophies. But when I moved back, I left Fargo because I thought it was lame and the winter sucked. (laughs) But I found myself 10 years later coming back, being happy about it more or less. But I moved back in October and it was right when the doozy winter was coming. And I'm like, you know what? If I can learn how to be happy in Fargo in the winter, I can be happy anywhere. And um, and so I started really tuning into the qualities of winter and why it's here, the purpose of it, why it's what we can enjoy about it. And then that sparked the whole like, and all the other seasons have something to teach us too. And like all of this whole thing, it was like everything came together. And I've come to really love the winter and to embrace those qualities. And I look forward to them. And it's still a journey and, and winter literally, but also figuratively, um, we have those, like you were talking about. Um, but again, it, it's, when you can recognize the purpose of it, it becomes really productive and that rest is productive and that sitting on things and incubating, you know, like the, that is such a productive time. And you've mentioned on your podcast recently, like that's kind of what this period is like for a lot of us, that fertile void, that time of reevaluating and staying open to what is, um, so how has that come into your life now or or what do you suggest for embracing that period yeah. of right now? Well, I think as we're recording this, you know, depending on when people listen in, um, I know in my state of Maine, um, there's like a four phase plan for reopening and it begins tomorrow. And so as there's sort of this glimmer of hope of, I don't think going back to normal, I think that's pretty much never going to happen. This feels very similar to um, birth where there is no going back. We can forget about that. Um, There will be something new. And so as we collectively dream into the possibility that we might be able to go to a restaurant again or go to a movie or get on an airplane, right? I know people are still getting on airplanes. I'm not, (laughs) but not a lot of people are, right? So as we collectively dream into getting back some of those freedoms of movement around the world and movement around other people and and, and in-person connection, I think the whole purpose of the cyclical nature of our lives, if we choose to pay attention to it, is it's like this, um, it's like a, a process of death and rebirth every month for a woman um, every month for all of us because of the lunar cycle and every year it's, it just, it, it represents, there's these four phases that represent identically the phases, the, the life cycle, the phases of life. Um, they also, you know, represent the planting seasons, right? There's so many me- different metaphors we could use, but right now we are in this place where there's just like this glimmer of relief, at least for us in Maine. And I don't know where people are. Um, and so I think that the whole purpose of the winter time of the pause is the reassessment. And we get to do this PS every month with the moon or as women uh, who are people with periods to look at what has become obvious that was not working during this pause. And what would I like to leave in the winter? as the sprite, what do I want to leave in the darkness as the light returns? Um, and that's a ritual that we as a family do every winter solstice, you know, the darkest day of the year um, in the Northern Hemisphere, December 21st is the annual new moon. It's the annual first day of the period, right? It's the annual menstrual cycle of the darkest day. So we always ask, what do we want to leave in the darkness as the light returns? And I think this moment the lights were turning a little bit. So what I'm really thinking about, what am I leaving in the darkness? What old ways of being, um, what old, old ways of thinking, what old patterns, what unconscious uh, limitations 
do I want to leave? And so practically speaking, you know, I'll just tell you one real practical way that showed up. I had this tug of war. I got really um, prioritized around going to dance class this year and like moving my body. And that was awesome. But I had this tug of war a lot of days where I would tell myself I didn't have time to exercise. I know I am not the only person on the planet who has this tug of war, right? So it's perfect for the self-care conversation because movement is such a beautiful way of caring for ourselves. But I would have this like, I know it's good for me. I know I feel so amazing. I know it's important, but like I have so much to do. Interestingly enough, during this time when I have less time to do the things I need to do because I don't have childcare, um, I have carved out an hour every day to move. I'm obsessed with this workout called the class. I just like can't get enough. So I said to Mike the other day after I did it, because I was feeling so good, I was like, how ridiculous is it that two months ago or three months ago, I lived in a paradigm where I didn't have time to do an hour workout. I didn't have time to devote an hour to my body every day. And now in a reality, when I technically have less time for myself, I have found an hour, which basically means anything I ever say about time is total bullshit because (laughs) this is important. And so that old way of being, telling the story of, I don't have time for the things that matter. I want to leave that in the darkness as this light returns. And, um, you know, some ways that I have a tendency to overcomplicate things in our company and run with too many ideas at the same time. Um, instead of doing less, you know, I wrote my book for myself. So (laughs) I'm always, always refining. Yeah. I actually am also working out more than I ever have. Yeah. I had that same conversation and I think it just comes down to what are we willing to trade out? You know, what, and then reevaluating, do I like this more than what was filling that space before and staying? That's what I love about cyclical living and having these kind of really meaningful structures in place is it allows you to remember and just remember what matters to you, what matter, like remember what you want to take with you because without some sort of governing force, it's chaos. And that was really hard for me to learn as someone who labels himself as a very free-spirited person who doesn't like rules or doing what anyone says, um, to really embrace why I love dealing with the natural rhythms and cycles is because they're happening everywhere all the time. They're happening within whether we acknowledge it or not. And it's such a beautiful way to have that structure and tune into that the wisest governing force there is because it's been going on since the beginning of existence (laughs) and use that as an opportunity to ground and to remember and to prepare. I love that. Yeah. It's a good time. Most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think what you were saying about I'm somebody who has bucked structure and, and bucked routine um, for sure, but there is something about leaning into the natural rhythm that's already there that feels so right. Whereas creating some sort of fabricated externally sourced structure always felt really wrong. And I felt like I had to rebel against it as opposed to my own cycles, my own rhythms, you know, tuning into that. It's like, I can be held by them and they, they take way less effort to pay attention to because they're happening anyway. You don't have to uphold them. You just have to go and flow with them. Yes. Yes. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wondered why I have the the cycles are easy for me. They're easy because they're there anyway. Nothing else has been. That makes complete sense. Yeah. It's the only time management system that was designed for people who identify with feminine energy everything else is the masculine mm-hmm. which isn't wrong yeah it's just different yeah for sure so bringing it back to the inner wisdom conversation and how this supports that I think that that point really is that it creates an, a natural way of tuning into your inner wisdom so you don't have to force it 
And you don't have to be like, please talk to me, body self. It's already there happening with you. Yeah, I love that. I think that um, a really important piece is that, um, you know, people talk about like self-love and loving yourself. And I was just like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Other than, you know, doing affirmations or like telling yourself you love yourself in the mirror, which is actually a really powerful practice. Um, But I just, it always felt kind of like, what is that? And impractical to me, I really like to be able to see and picture what I'm going to be doing. And for me, tracking my cycle and listening to my body really allowed me to feel like, oh, this is a really practical way I can love and honor myself by simply paying attention in this daily, deliberate practice. And then as a result, because I think my body was like, oh, she's listening, and now I can give her the messages, right? Because she's there. Whereas before I was not paying attention, you know, I wouldn't say at all, but just like not nearly as closely. And so it has allowed the inner wisdom to come through so much stronger. And I will say just knowing like on day one of my cycle and on the new moon, I'm probably going to have access to a greater volume. You know, the volume will be turned up on my inner wisdom. Then I know like at those two checkpoints in the month to really pay extra close attention And that's been really helpful just from a structural standpoint, because I don't think we can be listening like all day, every day we have stuff to do. But if I can really tune in, you know, on these certain times during the day, I do check in, but like really in a bigger way on those two days of the month, the day I start my period and the new moon, um, if they don't happen to be on the same day, which they generally aren't for me, that's really been useful. Yeah, I love that. I think acknowledging is such a huge key. and appreciating. I think of it like um, old school Peter Pan with the Tinkerbell, where it was like she was, her light was dwindling. And so it was like, clap if you believe in fairies. (laughs) The more you clapped, the more the light showed. And I think that applies to our own inner light. Such a sweet (laughs) analogy. I love it. Yeah. If we don't acknowledge it, if we don't cheer it on and say, yes, I'm listening. I want to hear more of you. It's going to be like, fine, I'm trying. And a lot of times it's response to that will be like, okay, I'm going to make your neck go out or okay. I'm going to create some anxiety. Like there's a phrase in the healing world that I repeat a lot. I don't know who originally said it, but if it's, if you don't listen to your body whisper, then you have to hear it scream. And so I always think of what can I do for self-care is more of how can I listen to my body whispers? What do I need to do to hear that wiser, softer, more feminine part of myself? Yeah, so good. Another thing we've been talking about in the origin group lately has been about deep work and the importance of being, of doing deeper work. And This is more of a personal question for you, but I'm going to try to word it in a way um, that makes sense. But a lot of the people that I admire when they show up for the world, including yourself, um, is what you're saying is so simple and, but it comes with a confidence that's only created when you do the deep work. It doesn't come, like people don't trust you because you're just regurgitating things. They trust you because you've done all of this stuff underneath that can then be recited in a way that is simple and concise and confident. And I think that that is really important to acknowledge about people that we look up to or when we hear some of these things is we forget that it comes from the nitty gritty, messy, experiential part and that these simple ways are the gateway to be able to access this deeper part of ourself. So can you speak about maybe your own journey with doing deep work and why it's so important to create safe ways for us to go there? Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I think that this really ties into um, a collective cultural fear we have around feeling and this idea that there are good feelings and ways that are good to feel and bad feelings. And you want to avoid the bad feelings and only feel the good ways, 
right? So, so I see it in parenting all the time. When a kid is crying, parents go to them and say, oh, you're okay, you're fine. And um, it's so deeply invalidating. Like your child is not fine, she's crying. She's hurt, she's in pain, she's sad. Like, you know, if Mike is having a hard day, I'm not going to sit, Mike is my husband, I'm not gonna say to him, you're okay. Like, if he said that to me when I was having a hard time and I needed him to listen, I would be infuriated. <laughs> so part of the deep work is allowing ourselves to feel. And this time of shelter in place or shelter, whatever, stay at home, whatever we're doing here, <laughs> is, has been an opportunity. You know, you mentioned this podcast episode we did about staying with yourself. And this is really the same conversation is when you are feeling something that feels uncomfortable because it's bringing up a sensation in your body that you have labeled as bad can you stay with yourself? Like what would happen if you stayed instead of distracting yourself or instead of trying to even figure out why you feel that way or instead of, um, instead of numbing or, you know, whatever, or running away. There's so many things that we do to basically avoid feeling. And when we feel like we let the sensation of an emotion be there, without trying to change it, what's so wild is it changes. It just does because like, we're just all over, you know, like humans, we're just, we just change. Like it's biochemical. Things are shifting constantly with every breath. And so that for me has been the deeper work of, can I expand my capacity to sit with something that feels uncomfortable? so that I've become more comfortable with discomfort, both my own discomfort and other people's discomfort. And also sitting with someone else when they're in pain and being able to be with them without going into it with them and without needing to fix it. And so, yeah, because, you know, I grew up in a family like a lot of other people where we just like, we were kind to each other and we didn't call things out and we didn't, there wasn't conflict. And then, you know, and like, we just sort of pretended everything was okay. And I think that's very common. Um, I have other friends whose like parents yelled at each other and they actually like called each other out on things that they said or did or whatever. And it was terrifying. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, everyone's yelling. Um, but but that's, you know, in certain ways, much healthier actually. Um, and so having to learn like, oh, when someone says something that hurts my feelings, I get to say something right then. Like I could actually just say, ouch, that hurt my feelings instead of pretending it's fine or, you know, having a whole internal thing. So I think that those are some of the ways that I work with that deeper work of, um, staying with what I'm feeling and then allowing it to be there and not needing to label it and just then noticing how it's going to shift because with what I've been learning about, about trauma and the nervous system, so much is stored in our bodies and the way to heal is not through our minds, it's through our bodies. So if I can let myself actually feel what I'm feeling, I imagine it as alchemy. So I imagine it as, this is, of course, I'm a total productivity junkie. I have to like label it, right? Now I'm going against what I said, but I have to, I have to, in order to do it and invest and go deep, I have to know that it's part of the healing. Otherwise it just sort of feels like pain for the sake of pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we forget that we have to feel to heal. Basically mm -hmm. we have to, I don't know go into the darkness a little bit and there's something in the healing world called the healing crisis so people can mistake the an increase of pain um or not feeling well or other junk coming up as a sign that they're not healing right. when really that could be what your body needs to do to continue to heal so another aspect is to feel and a lot of like you said a lot of times the the feeling and the acknowledgement of that feeling allows it to pass 
but then what do you do when you then get a revelation of something needing to change? Like you're saying cycles of how you've behaved or truth bombs get dropped on you that are not serving you or anyone anymore. And so it's, how do you lean into those when they come up? Hmm. I mean, I think that awareness is just such a critical piece and it's the 20% that gives us 80% of the results. So simply allowing ourselves to be aware of a feeling or be aware of a pattern and speak it out, call it out, write it down, articulate it. I believe, or at least I've seen in my own life, that that is so much of the work. And that once I've done that, it kind of works its way in my life and I'm given opportunities to behave in any way. So as an example, I have um, a little bit of an addiction to new ideas and, and like I'm a creativity um, I just like, I'm very creative and prolific with my ideas. And one of my lessons is practicing temperance and sobriety around that. And to know that like, just because I have an idea doesn't mean I have to do it. And I have had a tendency to enroll Mike in my ideas and kind of get him on this hamster wheel of spinning with me. And we've been reworking that pattern. and. Uh, for, you know, for several months now where it's like, I have an idea or something that I want to be implemented and he's no longer available to get on the hamster wheel with me and to start spinning. And so we've talked about that several times. And so when I have this idea or thing I want done, I just have to hold it or write it down somewhere. And it just, it like burns a little bit. Um, and it's okay. Like it really is a physical sensation of like, oh my God, I, I am holding a hot potato and I want to hand it to my husband, but he's not willing to take it. So like, I just have to hold this hot potato and, and it cools off. You know I mean? That's the thing. Like it just, it cools off and then it doesn't feel so urgent and I have changed the pattern. And now I'm not in this obsessive cycle of like, idea implement crisis, idea implement crisis, right? And everyone's, everyone's calmer, but it's still, it still happens. It just burns for less time. I love that description of that burning part of changing a habit because I've totally felt that. And it's just like, it comes up and you're like, and then you're like, (laughs) and you have to shift and, um, I mean, you don't have to, but if you're working on it, you do. And then trusting that there's life on the other side is key and that it's worth it. It's worth changing that thing. It's worth shifting for the greater good. And I think because we get so distracted with the world, it's hard to remember the greater good part and what we're actually doing this work for and why it's okay to say yes to it. And I think it just comes with trial and error. (laughs) And what helps me is that I look back on the times when I've been able to do it before and the rewards from that. And, and then another one comes up eventually. And I also invite them. That's a problem that I have. I love deep work. I'm like addicted to deep work. And I'm like, let's do this. Let's go in there. Let's heal ourselves, you know, and then, and a lot of it is very rewarding and I have a developed kind of a system for it, but then, then I'll get a doozy and I'm like, ah, crap. (laughs) Why did I remember you like doing this? (laughs) But, um, but it is, um, it is, it is worth it. It is worth it. And also, you know, I know, you know, this, most people don't go through life this way. Most people are not in any way analyzing their life. Like they just don't, you know, I was talking to somebody and Mike and I were talking to her and she was just like, I just don't think about my life in the way that you do. (laughs) Yeah, I've had that comment. (laughs) which Which is great. Like she's doing it differently. No problem. But I think we have to, at least for me, I think I would be so bored. Otherwise, like I would have to drink or do something else because 
like, what would be the point if I'm not sort of excavating and questioning and wondering and growing and like, what would we then this is like really boring. Mm -hmm. I totally relate. And I just have to trust that it's part of my purpose as a human being to, to be this way. I mean, I was raised by, um, a psychologist and a life coach. So, um, that, (laughs) and then like, my dad was like a very sensitive singer songwriter. So like, that's how I'm wired. Um, (laughs) but like, I, and I trust that other people's, that's been the thing for me is trusting other people's healing journeys and what that gets to look like. And what I've noticed for myself and how, how I show up in the world has evolved is that because I'm so open about it, I get to be that safe space when people are ready. Yes. And that, that it's something you can do. Like you don't have to sit in things you can move forward, but it's going to be differently for everybody. Like my husband processes things much quicker and simpler than I do. Like, and I've had to learn how to honor that and trust that he did the work in his own way. So again, bringing it back to inner wisdom, bringing it back to this self-care conversation is it's whatever helps you learn who you are and how you operate. And I have found um, that the the do less way, the cyclical way um, is such a beautiful, organic, accessible way to start to use it to get to know yourself. And I'm just so grateful that you've taken this on. I feel like we've kind of evolved together because I started the cyclical seasonal journey a few years ago mm-hmm. and then started having the idea of like, what if my business could operate this way? What if I could operate this way? And then here comes Kate right on board with this whole structure for me. So <laughs> so I love that. It worked out really cool. well, but I'm just very happy that, um, you came on the podcast, you're here putting that light out into the world um, and, and teaching us this wisdom. So thank you. And know that I see you and I see, I don't see all the deep work that you do, but I can tell that it's being done <laughs> and want to acknowledge that as well, because the result is the service that you're giving to all of us. So thank you. Thank you so much. So how can people find you? What could they start doing now if they resonate with this message? What I know you have a lot of things for people. So I do, but I'm going to keep it simple. <laughs> um, so I would definitely head over to my website, katenorthrup.com and grab yourself the do less weekly planning ritual. That's like the perfect mini simple starter practice to just check out how this cyclical planning thing works on a micro level of your week. Um, and, and believe it or not, it still is incredibly helpful um, during this odd time we're having when we can't really plan anything because um, it incorporates the things we can actually rely on <laughs> in times of uncertainty, um, which is all the time. So that, and then um, Instagram is the place that I'm the most present on, on social at Kate Northrup. And then my husband and I have a podcast called the Kate and Mike show. So those are all great places to connect. And the do less book. Oh yes. Also I wrote this (laughs) book called do less and, and it's out in paperback. Um, So yes, that's a good one. Thank you. (laughs) I love it. And I love that it's, so you, you very eloquently explain a lot of these principles, but then the whole second half of the book is experiments for people to do. So it's things if you're having a hard time knowing where to start or you have a bunch of different things and you want to start with maybe the loudest <laughs> issue yeah. like there's just so many um almost every area of life you can start with an experiment you got going on in there. Yeah. So. And you could even use it like an oracle and just mm-hmm. flip open a page and see what experiment chooses you. Exactly. I love that. So thank you Kate. Thank you, Randy. This is fun. Okay, so now that you have a girl crush on Kate like I do, be sure to check out all things Kate Northrup at katenorthrup.com. 
And if you are a Patreon supporter, you get the direct links to her Do Less Weekly Planning Guide she mentioned on the latest post over at patreon.com slash simple self-care. Also, now that you have a better understanding of the power of living in alignment with the seasons and our cycles, please join me on June 15th inside the Simple Nature Collective to learn how these principles can heal you and your life. Head to naturallyrandyk.com slash simple nature to learn more and get in on the special summer pricing. Can't wait. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Randy Kay, a holistic health practitioner and educator that has been helping people heal through body work, therapeutic yoga, and self-care coaching for over a decade. My mission is to help people simplify the healing journey by amplifying their own inner wisdom and teaching seasonal self-care practices. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or post it on social media. And if you do that, please tag me so I can see it and connect with you that way at Naturally Randy K. You can also commune with me via email if you sign up for my weekly-ish newsletter, The Simple Letters. You can sign up at naturallyrandyk.com slash newsletter. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y dot com slash newsletter. And hearing from you in some way totally makes my life and I always make sure to personally respond. And be sure to join me next time as the self-care conversation continues. Until we meet again, take good care and enjoy the journey.